Yo, check it. <laughs> check. Yeah, I can't really. It's hard to do. It's hard to do with a cardioid mic. Any of that. <laughs> that kind of like. That kind of noise. Oh my god, dude. Uh hey Zach Deach, how you doing? I'm good, man. Are we on? We're we're yeah, we're on. This is the Madness Continues podcast with Zach Deach today. Wonderful. I've nobody's ever sat with that um boom arm in that it's exactly the way that it looks <laughs> it looks like it should be used. How do they normally sit? I just way back like this, like I'm sitting, like where it's just pulled all the way Oh just all the way weird and back. No, not like that. I mean like sitting back in the in the no what this is riveting audio. Nobody can see this, so guys, I'm doing something really funny with my body. That's what's going on. <laughs> so just laugh at that idea. <laughs> oh boy. Oh man. Uh thanks for taking time to come in, dude. Sure. Am I supposed to look at you while we do this? I don't know. I mean it makes it more natural. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's so funny. The number of times that women have asked me that while on the road. Hmm. Zero, zero times. Zero times. Okay, okay, okay. No times. Not any times. Not a time. Uh, Zach Teach, Bennett's Continuous Podcast, man. Hey, uh, here we are. We're hanging out outside outside of work and comedy. <laughs> yeah, we work together, and we both kind of do stand up comedy. I yeah. What do you mean, kind of? I you do a lot. I feel like you do a lot more than I do lately. I mean, I do it. I feel like this last week is all I've ever. I've in the last since I met you is the most I've done. Since I met you, how many mics you hit since you met me six months ago? Like eight, ten? <sighs> probably. Yeah, probably. Probably <laughs> ten. Probably like one. I would probably say I'm averaging about five a month at best. Well, what's uh, what's sucking all the mics out of you? Just the job, dude. Oh god. I think I keep thinking one of these days somebody from work is gonna listen to this, the podcast, and then they're gonna be like, Jesus, Brennan hate. I mean, it's not a hidden fact on this podcast that like the the day job day job is like draining me. It's funny. I posted a Facebook status joke about that I hate work, and my girlfriend texted me, and she goes, "You know, it's funny. You have all these I hate my job jokes, but you love your job." And I was like, "Listen, I like my job for a job. <laughs> if I could ever not come here again, that'd be great. <laughs> like, I don't want to go." That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it's not. You know, I'm not like cleaning out like septic tanks. Like, it could be worse, I guess. Yeah, but I need to be there because money <laughs> controls everything. It's not like, ooh, I love marketing. Let's I know, do man. that every I wish, day. I wish Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez gets her way and then we all just don't have to work and still get money. Dog, if automated robots could replace 100% of the jobs so that we don't have to do them anymore... I'm all for it. We would be nobody would have any money. That's see, that's what's gonna happen though. It's like Sam Harris talks about this a lot, like on his podcast. Mm -hmm. Is that like artificial intelligence can replace all of us? Right. It really is. And right. I wrote this bit years ago when I came to Chicago, and the bit was something like, uh, "Everybody thinks the future is gonna be awesome. They think it's gonna be like a Jetsons, you know, like whatever utopian future, and it's mostly gonna be like you're out of a job. <laughs> like yeah. they're gonna eliminate all the need for people. It's gonna be like eight or nine trillionaires yeah but and everybody's just gonna serve them perhaps but when they replace certain jobs and certain people get hurt that's bad when they replace every industry with all robots and we all profit from it somehow we'll fill in the i don't i don't think we're gonna profit from it though you're right i think it's gonna get bad to mm. be to perfectly honest well the polar ice caps are melting at a rate 
that I can't fathom while we have this conversation. Yeah. So maybe the robots won't survive either, and we'll all just drown. I don't know. I feel like this is it's it's this is true though. It feels like I, I we could divert. Okay, so we could divert, and I could start talking about like comedy and like like the history of you getting into comedy and things like this. But like let's just let's just stick in this space for a second. Sure. It feels like that is the hallmark of our generation. Is like hey, everything's getting worse. That's mm-hmm. the whole subtext. Mm-hmm. There's no like not only are th- first of all things are bad. Secondly, they're actually getting worse all the time. That's kind of how it feels like everything just is. Like I think about my grandparents, like in the like my 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 grandfather gets out of World War II, you know what I mean? Uh gets out of the service, moves to Detroit, gets a job working in the auto industry at a time when everything was getting better. Like every problem they ha- that that existed, there were like people were creating solutions for. Yeah. And in the 1960s, like people, things were, we were going to the moon. We were like, you look at like the, the science fiction and like future thought on how things were going to be from that time period. And people thought like, oh, by 2019, people will be living on the moon, obviously. Like whether or not they're living on Mars, that's the real question. Like, and now it's like, we're trying to figure out how to even (laughs) just half of our society out of poverty, poverty. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's funny because things have changed so much. My dad says that the world has changed more in his lifetime than probably like the previous thousand years. And I think he's right. Well, it depends on what he means by change. Probably. Well, technology. Yeah. Like things. How old is your dad? Uh, 69. (laughs) I called him on his birthday and I said, how old are you today? 69. He goes, yeah, I go. Nice. (laughs) I don't know if it hit with him. But it was worth it. So um, he was, hold on a second. So he was born in 1950. 49. Yeah, 49.50. Yeah. I could see that. I mean, I think about my my great-grandmother was born in 1901, and she died in 1993. And the amount of change that happened over that period of time is 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 almost difficult even to imagine. Yeah, dude. And also, they just had different standards for polite society, like, my grandmother had like a set of standards for like manners around the table and stuff like that. And it seemed valuable at the time. Yeah. And now children have iPhones yeah. and they just have the whole internet and they have video games all the time and they're allowed to use it all the, all time, the time around adults. Like yeah. it doesn't matter if someone's talking to you. It's just like, this is the way of the world. And I yeah. guess it's fine. It's just very odd because it's like, I had to like look adults in the eye. Yeah, you didn't I- have to like. And it, what's crazy to think? It's funny that we're talking about this because like, I was thinking about this a while ago because I had relatives from the UK came and visited. And that's exactly what their kids had. Is they and, and they're very nice. They're very sweet kids, and my relatives from the yeah. UK are great. Yeah. But like they were had their were on their iPads all the time. Right. And I'm not saying kids today have it so easy. I had it so much harder. I'm saying it's wildly different, different. and weird. I feel really bad for kids today, actually, because... I Did you see that movie 13 that Bo Burnham wrote and directed? Eighth grade. Eighth grade. Yes. What, 13. That's a totally different movie. 13 is a different movie. movie. Also yeah. said. Yeah. Also yeah, said. Way, way sexier, though. Side note, Barack Obama, <laughs> you know, he does his like list at the end of the year. My favorite songs, my favorite movies. Eighth grade was on that list. I Can believe you it. imagine how hard Bo Burnham shit into his pants? Yeah. When he's re- seeing that. <laughs> oh, the coolest president alive Ever. today. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I love that movie. What about it? It's oh, a great she's movie. On she's time. on her phone the whole time. Yeah. And well, like, I say that because I was thinking about this, like just growing up in that world now. I mean, it was shitty being in eighth grade when you were when I was in eighth grade was awful. 
And there was no social media. There was no Instagram. There's no phones. It was hard no, enough. Yeah, it was bad enough. Now not you without can this. Get bullied twenty four hours a day. Yeah, and have this giant trail of social media shit following mm-hmm. you. It's fucking awful. Yeah. Also, though, like Donald Trump is the president, and he has like a super ugly trail of social media shit, and, and he still doesn't got even elected. delete his tweets. Yeah, it doesn't. I still delete got my tweets, and that motherfucker doesn't. That's probably even why you're not president. Go back. <laughs> That's definitely why. <laughs> That's the main reason why is that I. Uh, otherwise, delete. the two of you guys are indistinguishable. But like, yeah, he hasn't deleted anything <laughs> from the past. He has one of my favorite ones. Um, in two thousand like fourteen, he said something something. Like, happy blah, blah, blah day, even to the haters and losers. It's not their fault. They were born fucked up. And I'm like, oh, my God. No fucking way. Really? Let's start a band, dude, called Born (laughs) Fucked Fucked Up. up. That's so good. (laughs) Anyway, yeah. So it's like, yes, you have this weird trail of, like, embarrassing shit. But maybe no one cares anymore about your social media. Well, they do. Employers care. Well, this is what. So I was just. This is so weird, dude. I was just writing about this uh, today, actually. Because I think that I'm entering a time in my life because I think I'm because I'm like you're 30 now. Yeah. Like I'm thir- I'm gonna turn 33 in like a week, and uh, something switched. Some switch flipped in my head in the last few months where I was like, I don't give a fuck about social media anymore. I don't care what I post. I don't care what I don't post. I just don't care. And um, before that, I think for the last few years, I've actually really seriously been like, fuck, I need a social media like strategy or like a plan or something. Yeah. And I, I think that I think that that's maybe just the truth is like, look, unless you're already a famous person, nobody cares about your social media. Right. I will delete things <laughs> that I just think are embarrassing. Sure. For me that no one's looking at. Mm. No one else is seeing it. But like. Yeah, I don't know. I uh, for, for I, your, to satisfy your own what ego or something. I guess I don't mean that negatively. No, I don't know. When I started doing stand up, I downloaded an app that deletes anything that's older than one year on Twitter. Really? And you just hit a button and it's like all gone. Wow. And this is before Trump was president, so my example for that sort of thing was not being an embarrassing piece of shit. So I thought <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were supposed to not. But uh, yeah, I I don't like consciously super care about social media but i do subconsciously like i use it to i use it as a uh measuring stick sort of for jokes yeah of course and then you know just to see if people like a joke or whatever but then also like it's brought me zero positive things in my life but it does bring like i I hate to say it this way and this isn't like a good way to sell it but like there is like a validation to it where you're like okay i do exist People don't yeah. want me to die, huh. which is like, who gives a shit? That, I'm, I mean, that's a confession, not like advice. Sure, I'm saying like, you know, I wouldn't. Ca- the, I mean, like, I think that nobody. If I, first of all, if I disappeared from social media, nobody would bat an eyelash. Secondly, if they did, they'd be like, wow, that asshole's gone, uh, because I feel like mostly anything I post just bothers people. Like, I don't think I, my entire social media situation could be summed up in I post something that I think is maybe funny slash I think it's just going to bother people or like it's just me cage rattling, then everybody in my family and friends gets mad at me Mm. and posts like shitty dig like little digs at me. And that's the whole thing. Anyone who was going to be bothered or offended by anything that I say on the internet has already been alienated from it, like (laughs) has already unfollowed me. Like I have certain family members. Like when Trump was, uh, not to keep, wow, it really seems like I'm obsessed with Donald Trump. 
um, <laughs> when he was running for president, I would just like openly shit on him and anyone that believed in him because this is when it was like yeah. a, I thought like a small sliver of society was actually supporting him in the primaries. And then it turns out it's like half of the people. But I, I would just openly shit on the whole deal. And then I think a lot of my family like either went like, all right, well, that's what he's like. Or they unfollowed me or whatever. Um, so now I think I've weeded out after several years people that are bothered by the shit that I say. But still, though, if I have a post that like I think does really well, it's yeah. still only 8% of the people. Like it's not. Yeah. You know what I mean, it's yeah. like no one. It's. It's never like so many people are are scrolling by that shit and being like, ugh. Yeah, right. I just I can't think of one positive thing it's ever actually gotten me in my life. Like I've never gotten shows from it. I've never. I mean, I message people on Facebook sometimes to get a show, but like I I could do that over email. Uh, I think I get shows from it because I post often enough that people go, oh yeah, that guy's alive. Ah. Uh, mm. And I get booked three <laughs> times every two months, so it's definitely working. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's like that's so bad. That's like my numbers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Who do you think you are, me? You fucking loser. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't done. Yeah, I mean, like I'm out. Of, I'm I'm only getting back in the game now, which blows. Like going out and doing all these mics this week has been like it's just so shitty because it's it, two things happen. It's like one is I was like, oh, I feel like I'm at ground. I'm like I'm square one again. Like like I like I had had a bunch of momentum and then like dropped off and then I was like I'll come back to it and then like not nah, it just hasn't helped at all and yeah. then the second thing is that it it's funny because you know every this is probably true with every comic like I lo I actually really love open mics but I hate open mics well yeah and I mean I th I, I probably like every comic has a relationship like that to open mics but I it's so funny to get back because I go oh th this is the part of myself this is the feeling that i feel like i i didn't have for such a long time this feeling of like i'm happy i did it but i feel worse afterwards <laughs> yeah i think one thing about you taking this break and starting over is that you you no longer have momentum but that also means that you can't coast on your previous momentum you're probably going to write a bunch of new material yeah i've already yeah so I've, I've already good. started doing that yeah because you're in a different headspace than the last time that you did stand up if it was months ago or whatever and now you can like hit the reset button and figure it out again and probably just get better from it. Yeah. You probably will get better more than you get worse. Well, I, mean, I hope so. We'll see what happens, I guess. Um, all right. Well, here's okay, so let's dig into this a little bit. You um one of the things we talked about when you were like you were like, Yeah, I can come over and do the pod, but I don't I don't even know what I'm gonna talk about. But like you for a long time were in a punk band and traveled around. I mean, like maybe people in the comedy scene already know about this, but I we only talked about it a little bit because we work together, but I wanted to know more about how, how just that whole situation, how you got involved with it. Yeah. I, um, I was in bands. I've been playing drums and guitar since I was in like fourth grade. And I started playing in punk rock bands or trying to, when I was probably like 12 or something and just like started shitty little bands with my friends. And then, uh, was just involved in like the punk rock scene and the hardcore scene in Buffalo, New York for a long time. And then eventually uh, hardcore meaning hardcore music. Yes. Got it. And hardcore pornography. Nice. Yeah. Okay. I was going to that when I was seven. felt like that was uh, unspokenly <laughs> implied. Yeah. And then a buddy of mine, Tom Mayer, a guy from Buffalo. I'm from Buffalo, obviously, um, was in this uh, really good hardcore band called Dead Hearts that got signed to a decent label, Ferret Records, which was a big deal at the time. And they were like getting some traction. And then 
one of the dudes had a kid like five years later so they broke up and he was like dude let's just start like a late 90s early 2000s skate punk band and he knew that i could sing because i was in this other band and we had just known each other since like high school or whatever um and um our friend cody krieger was in this band dagger mouth that got a ton of traction in pop punk uh from canada and so he played bass and then um basically it was all it was five of us and it was all local dudes that had all known each other forever and had all played in other bands and stuff so we started in like 2008 put out an ep um and we just wanted to do like a genre of like melodic fast skate punk that was already dead uh which is probably mistake number one but but there was uh, (laughs) but hold on so so you guys were in a way kind of a super group i mean uh, in our minds sure (laughs) yeah yeah in that we were a group that was super yeah. Uh. Well, it's not. So I mean, like you're the way you're describing this is you're. I think it feels like you're be, trying to be like humble or just like sidestep a lot of this stuff. But like the truth is that like you guys had you guys toured and had some success. Yeah. We so we put out an EP. Uh, this label, State of Mind Recordings, put it out for us. It was four songs. It did okay. People. What does do okay mean? I don't know. People in that super specific sub world genre. We're world, like this we're is like, awesome. This is good. Yeah, people that liked Daggermouth were like, I like this too. Oh yeah. And, um, so, but this is you're like this. So, what were bands that like influenced the stuff that you guys? Oh, like the Descendants, No Effects, Bad Religion, H Two O, The Bouncing Souls. Basically, if you pick up Punkorama Three from 1997 <laughs> on Epitaph <laughs> Records, that's that's what we were going for. Is bands like that? Yeah. And then, um, but yeah, and then we eventually we wrote a full length, and we got um, the drummer of Less Than Jake's label paper and plastic uh vinnie fiorello is the dude put out our first record which in that world being on a record label just means someone distributed the cds and vinyl for you so how did okay so it's not like you make money yeah so so, but like how does that work do you did you have to get somebody to put up money so you guys could record and then you guys and then manufacture CDs and albums, which existed back in 2008. We recorded out of pocket before we shopped the recording around. So we had like 12, I guess, think, I think 12 songs ready to go that we shopped to different labels. And then this one label was like, yeah, we want to work with you. And then we met him in real life in Florida and he took us out to eat. We were already on tour. And, um, and then he was like, yeah, I want to put out the record, blah, blah, blah. And then essentially um, just distributed Meaning like digitally as well as physically. Sure. So you could go on their website and order the record and like an actual team of people would like, would make like sure actually you got it. go put it in a sleeve and then send it to your yeah. location. Yeah. So that was cool. Um, but honestly, super frustrating. Um, the label was like very not supportive and I can talk all the shit I want now because they have folded since. Got it. And um, I think they have. He's not going to listen to this. Fuck you, Vinny Fiorello. I hate you. <laughs> Um, yeah, they were not helpful. And I hate to say this, but he's actually one of our top listeners. <laughs> he, he hearted two of my last previous episodes. <laughs> they, uh, yeah, no, they were like not helpful. The vinyl came out like three weeks after it was supposed to, or no, like three months after it was supposed to, the people were like ordering our records and not getting them. And then when they got them, like the sticker labels on the discs themselves for like side A, side B weren't there. What? So people just got a blank ass record. <laughs> like, the fuck it's just like this? ridiculous. And then, um. So that was our first effort. The record's called These Are the Good Old Days, and uh, it's okay. And then a couple years later, we put out um, another record called Religion and My Ex, which is like 12 or 13 more songs uh, that are way different, and um, we're super proud of that one, and it was a lot of fun to make, and uh, we put it out. 
So you're, but you're not. So the first one was just kind of like a we're whatever we're just trying this out, and we're then f- like the first one was like figuring it out, and I think then we kind of fi- found our voice after uh-huh. that, and we put out another full length on um, Adeline Records, which is Billy Joe Armstrong's label. Billy Joe from Green Day. Yeah, really, his, that's his amazing. Wife runs it, and they have since collapsed as well. Oh, that sucks. I wonder what the common denominator is. I mean, records, record yeah. labels putting out our records and then collapsing. <laughs> But uh, if yeah. that if that probably portends the end of this podcast soon, then yeah, yeah, you're done for. <laughs> it's not gonna. It's not going great. You're gonna, it's, it's over after this. I mean, it wasn't going well to begin with. <laughs> but yeah, man, it was a lot of fun. We uh, we toured the United States and Canada pretty heavily. We never got to go overseas or anything like that. But um, we we were on tour anywhere from like three to six months out of the year when we were doing it, and um, it was cool. But you know. You just have to work like shitty pizza jobs that will let you come and go as you please. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just be a broke person. And, um, yeah, but we got, I mean, we had a ton of cool experiences. We, uh, we toured the country. So how, times how long did you do RV. this for? Yeah. How long did you do that for? Six years we, we toured on and off. That's fucking nuts, man. Yeah. For six years. Like, yeah. From like 2000, we probably went on our first tour in 2009. Yeah. To like 2015, That's I guess. That's fucking nuts, man. And I was. Had uh, you been on, you had, this is, you had not been on tour or done anything like that before 09. Correct. I was in other bands and we did like road shows. Yeah. Like we would drive three hours away and play sure. a show. But this is like living in an RV for the longest tour we ever did was 10 weeks. It was like 70 something days in a row. Yeah. Um,. And you really, really just want to rip your friends' fucking heads off. <laughs> you really hate them deeply at at times. But uh, I well, love you those guys are in an RV like, for like all that period of time. Yeah. If anyone's listening to this and you're in a punk band or you're thinking of being in a punk band, don't tour in an RV ever. <laughs> Everything that it's a house rolling down the street. Why would it not break? Everything breaks. The gas mileage is terrible. Get a Sprinter van. I can't stress this enough. Do not, <laughs> do not live in an RV with your friends. But um. Yeah, man, it was cool. But yeah, you spend so much time with four other people. And it really is a marriage if you want it to work well. You have to make decisions together. Yeah. There's a dad and a mom. Uh, like there's two people basically that who are like, we're the leaders of this the situation. strongest will out of yeah. everyone and you just end up doing what they want. Yeah. Um, and I don't mean to say it like in a negative way. Like if we didn't have one or two people steering the ship, it would have just not been steered. So yeah, of course. It's good. But. Um, this is it's so interesting though because I feel like uh, how this is so this is what it comes to mind for me is I think like first of all this is so fucking interesting and like like for so, that so much of your life also was taken up by doing this yeah. and then I think about like how did you get gigs like how does that world even work like it's strange because like, I don't even know I mean it's odd to think about how that even works in the world of comedy but like music doesn't makes even less sense to me yeah uh, as far as getting gigs um you know, some of us, not me, had been in bands previously and had connections with certain uh, show promoters. Um, and, you know, we would send send emails and just try to connect with people that we either knew or knew of and, you know, try to book gigs. And, like, best case scenario, you book a club gig with, like, other good bands that have draw locally. Uh, Worst yeah. case scenario, you play for Got it. the bartender. Literally, we've played shows for, for the, the bartender. <laughs> and you walk away with, like, Okay, well, in the uh, tradition of the most professional podcast in Chicago, uh, our my battery-operated equipment died again, right as we were talking about uh, making money on the road, Zach. Yeah, you said, um, you know, if no one shows up, you don't make any money. And it's funny because uh, most of these shows, on a good night, you're still only making, at the, at the level of 
grimy punk rockdom that we were at, <laughs> you're still only making hopefully enough to break even on gas money. Like that's you, it. You that's all like your. Yeah, you get paid like a hundred bucks. You make nothing from. You have like merch. Yeah, you, you sell, sell merch that you hopefully make more gas money on. And then even when you're not in the red, even when things are going well, and again, I'm not speaking for bands that are more successful. Yeah. I'm just speaking for ourselves. But it's like, uh, you know, even when you're not in the red, even when like you sell a bunch of merch and like the shows are going awesome, then something breaks. You break down constantly on tour because you're uh, just putting an insane amount of miles, miles on, your, on a vehicle. On your RV. And you're pulling. So it's like. So it's literally, you're, so it's a group of how many people? Five and uh, we would bring like a merch guy. So six people. Six people. And you're all, you're all dry. I mean, you're, you're so six people. Yeah. Who are basically supporting. So you've all worked regular jobs in order to buy an RV. For sure. And then pool your money for gas. Then yes. basically all not work while you're driving around for three to six months at a time mm -hmm. to hit up these shows that basically break even. Yeah. Or like some of them were killer, but you st we still wouldn't like make money because we would be like, like in a good, like on a good tour, we would be opening for like a headliner band. On Got a it. bad tour, we would just be like doing it ourselves and setting up bands and finding local openers and local promoters to work with. But um, so even best case scenario with this band, it was like really tough. But um, that's just what you have to do. It's like grinding out open mics. Like yeah. that's just what you do. And um, yeah, I. Um, oh, but that's what I was going to say is like even in a perfect world, you're making money and things are going well. Something breaks all the time. So we would break down constantly. You always have to pay for some, like to fix something in the vehicle. And you're also in a van or what? I mean, we were in an RV, which I said earlier was not a great choice, but it was it was comfortable. And we didn't have to like rely on mm. people's floors to sleep on. And stuff. Yeah. But super bad gas mileage. It would break all the time. And you're pulling a like um I guess like a motorcycle trailer behind it with the gear in it. Yeah. So like you're also pulling something constantly. Like yep. it's just like you're putting it's a shitload just, of miles on yeah, something. Yeah, and, and actually like and <laughs> forcing it to do lots of hard work the, the entire time. Right. And in the trailer is a full drum kit, two like full uh half not full, half stack like Marshall amps and then like a 8 by 10 bass cab and then merch. So yeah. like the, there's like a ton of shit being um, hauled all the time. So yeah, anyway, things would go wrong constantly. But like also, you know, we got to see the country and a lot of Canada. We got to go as far north as Newfoundland. Uh, Where did you go in Newfoundland? Saint Saint Joseph or Saint John's? Saint John's. Yeah, yeah. Saint Joseph's is some in of the nicest Michigan. people. The place is so beautiful, dude. I got screeched in, which is where you like say a poem and kiss a fish on the mouth and like drink a shot of their version of Malort, basically. Yeah. And um, they're so weird, dude. Their accents are all bizarre. And yeah, dude, they're they have not, their own, they have their own like language. They're not from it's not even like it's Canada. It's yeah. like a different world. And the people that leave Newfoundland are like few and far between. Yeah. And it's just so most of them like live their whole lives on the island. Yeah. They call them newfies, newfies. in the rest of Canada. And what we're talking about for those of you, you guys who don't uh, anybody listening to the podcast who doesn't understand this is Newfoundland is this island on the east coast of Canada. And it's way east, and it's was one of the first areas like settled by sort of English, Irish, Scottish immigrants, French, whatever, and uh, and then it was like isolated for a really long time. So they have their own weird accent. Super weird. It's almost Irish, but it's like 
it's like it's like halfway between canadian and like irish british kind of yeah it's very strange and uh you can't understand what they're saying some of the time also instead of dude they say boy but imagine the word boy without the o it's like b apostrophe y yeah hey bye hey bye (laughs) yeah they're fucking cool they were super fucking nice and um and to get there also you have to like drive all the way through Canada yep, and then get the entire vehicle and trailer onto a boat, a ferry, yeah, six hour ferry overnight. And then another 10 hour drive to St. John's. Yeah. Because it's on the other side it's of the so island. So far. Yeah. <laughs> but it, like, did it, you ever go to Nova Scotia? No. Okay. Cause that's the other, like Nova Scotia and Halifax is like the other kind of in that direction. Yeah. I don't think we did that at all. So that it's, I, I mean, I've never been to, I've been to Halifax for work, but I like never did really left the airport. But like, I went to a lot of Canada also years ago for work. It's like fucking cool, man. It's cool that you got to be all around there. Oh, for sure, dude. It was super fun. I'm like very grateful for the experience. I feel like I sound jaded about it when I talk about it, but I'm really not. It was awesome. Mostly whenever we talk, I think like Zach sounds like he's over everything. <laughs> yeah. I have a tone of voice problem Yeah, where people think I don't like them. Or whatever, and it's really just me forgetting to like display enthusiasm because yeah. I forget that that's important. Um, <laughs> but it's really not. I, oh, my man. soul isn't as dry as I represent it to be when I talk. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm glad, dude. Yeah, there's no. a lot of times where like we work together, so like there's a lot of times at work where you'll say stuff to me, and I'm like, is he being? I can't. Is he being do sarcastic? Do you want to kill me? Like, yeah, yeah. Are, you, do you, are you being sarcastic? I can't tell sometimes. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, yeah, dude. Especially now that I do stand up, and people are like, oh, like when people know that you're a comic, I feel oh, they like think everything it's even it's changes every changes the entire. So, if they think people you're being know, sarcastic yeah, all the time, I'll be know, like, hey, oh, I God like. Damn it. I'll be like, you look good today, and someone will be like. Fuck you, <laughs> dude. It's so weird because especially, I mean, it was bizarre. Like you start what? So when did you start? What year did you start doing comedy? Uh, 2015. Okay. And what got you into it after all of this? So I was just obsessed with stand up for a long time. I was in that band for six years. I decided I wanted to pump the brakes on that because I just wanted to hit the reset button and like earn some money and like have a normal life for a year or so, which I sometimes regret. I think if we put out one more record, it might have been a little more successful, which I know sounds like I have a gambling problem or whatever. But (laughs) but the last thing that we did was kind of good and like decently received and whatever. But I just kind of got tired of that grind. And I sort of thought it's like when you take a break from college. You just yeah. don't go back. Well, yeah, I mean, like that—that's a great analogy. I actually. thought we might take a break and go back, but then everyone went their separate ways, and like some of them have kids now, and like whatever. Yeah. Um, and then about a year went by of me just working a job that I fucking hated so much more than my job now. Ingram Micro. No, I liked Ingram Micro. <laughs> I was working for. I just the, the only reason I hired Zach at the day job, which is the only reason I know that. No, I like Ingram. Um, would absolutely accept a remote position. At Ingram Micro, <laughs> if they let me work in Chicago, if anyone's listening. Kelly, I miss you. Um, no, I worked for a, a local RV dealership because I just oh, love Oh, shit. RVs, I remember I you. Yeah, I remember you talking about this. Yeah, I took the job because this just all mine, came from your RV experience. You just spending no, so much time in RVs. No, one of my best friends ever uh, was working there and just making crazy money because he was really good at selling motorhomes to rich people. And I was like, all right, this sounds like a good opportunity. It was not. Um, <laughs> so I quit the band, started working at a motorhome dealership. What? Hold on. So what was? Wait, I want to know what was the experience of quitting the band like, though, because I feel like that. How do you? Is because you spent so much time with them. 
yeah, after all we that sat time, down like, at a local pizzeria and I was like, I don't want to go on tour for like a year. And that gives them the option. I'm just the singer. I didn't even play an instrument in this band. They could have easily just like got a singer. Got it. Maybe not easily, but they could have yeah, like they got, got a singer. One, though. Something could have happened. For sure. And I think that all made them go like, uh, fuck this. But if they really had wanted to, they could have. And I don't know if they just didn't feel like it or if they were maybe a little relieved too to like take a break. I don't uh, know. Interesting. I don't know. I Some of the dudes in that band are absolute diehards and will never stop creating music. Um, Tom Mayer, the dude I mentioned before, um, started another band with our drummer, Matt Bratcher, who was in Rust Belt Lights, and uh, my buddy, Tony Granica, who's like someone I've been friends with since high school. They started a band called Wild Once, hmm. um, and it's incredible. They sound like The National. They might be a huge fucking band. They just put two songs out that are on Spotify that you can listen to for free, but they're incredible. And like, so there's dudes in that band that just will never stop doing this. Um, and I guess I wasn't one of them, but then like a year went by of me, like working this awful job, like trying to sell fucking buses to rich people and just <laughs> hating it and working six days a week. My only day. Wait, so why was your friend successful at it? But you, but you weren't, I don't know. He, uh, applied himself. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I hated it so much. I hated the customers so much. I had nothing in common with them. They were just rich as hell. Yeah. And they're like, we want to spend 250 grand on a fucking bus. And I'm like, great idea. <laughs> super good idea it's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to sell things to people you have contempt for oh mad contempt yo um uh, can i no. tell you so hold on let me say this real quick is i think that i have and again if anybody at work is going to listen to this i'm going to start really probably i'll pro- probably get let go myself but that may happen anytime soon anyway but I have i think part of the issue i have with the day job is that i also have a ton of contempt for what we do <laughs> I have less contempt for what we do now than compared selling to like RVs. Other like sales jobs I've had, uh, um, for sure, way less. But it's I mean, all I appreciate that. I should say this: I appreciate the job. I think it, especially lately, I've just been frustrated because it's been super stressful and overwhelming. For sure, um, but it's it's just not as bad as other sales jobs I've had. But yeah, so I sold RVs for a year, and by sold them, I mean didn't sell them because I sucked. Worked six days a week. My only day off was Monday, and the manager was a like ex marine. What? And he did not find me charming. No. Which I'm finding I need my bosses to like me, or it's not gonna work. <laughs> he did not think I was funny at all, and uh, took himself super fucking seriously, which oh, you know wow. I love. Yeah. And <laughs> and then a year of that went by, and I was like obsessed with stand up always, and like I grew up on like Chappelle's like first big special from 2000 on HBO killing them softly. And just like, I've always been obsessed with it. Like I had stand up on my iPod and I didn't know that that was weird Yeah. until it would come up and my friends would be in my car and they're like, what the, f- why are we listening to like Jim Gaffigan's hot pocket bit right yeah. now? I'm like, I don't know. Isn't this music? Isn't yeah. this, don't people like this? And then, so I was always super into it. And then I had a friend that started doing stand up too, or like before I did. And he was like, come to a mic, dude. Just like come to an open mic. And then I attended an open mic, realized you don't have to be funny to do this. Oh, definitely not. So I, I was in like, fact, I don't think it, I think it, I, if anything, it's detrimental to actually be funny Yeah. <laughs> when you start. So I went to a mic and I was like, oh, most people are bad. And I was like, I can be bad. And then I um, gave it a whirl and I've uh, been pretty addicted to that since then. And now that's my way of like, I, you know, I performed in that band and then I took a break and I felt like my life was fucking meaningless and it probably was. Yep. And then I did this other form of like performing something and now I'm super into it and it's been a couple of years and then it brought me to Chicago and that's why I live here. You know? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, we talked. I mean, we had talked previously about how you, why you got the, you, how you, why you got moved out here, and how you moved out here, and all that stuff. Yeah, that's fun. That's a fun story. <laughs> Have I told you this? I so, mean, a little bit. I was in a five-year relationship. Listen up, fellas. This is how you do it. I was in a five-year relationship <laughs> with a gal that I met in Buffalo long ago when I was like twenty-three. We were together for about five years. We lived together for the final two years of that, and. Uh, at some point, I visited my cousin who lives here, um, and I checked out Chicago, and I was like, I think I want to move to Chicago, and I came Did back. Did you have any sense of the comedy scene here then? No, but I just knew that people moved to Chicago to, to, to do, do comedy. stand-up. Yeah. I knew that it was a place that you can start, honestly, just from like listening to podcasts and stuff, and yeah. hearing dudes like Kumail Nanjiani, Nanjiani yeah. talk about starting in Chicago, and Pete Holmes, and dudes like that. I was like... Um, that seems like viable at least it's at least like a step in the right direction i was a little nervous to just like move to new york city because it's so expensive and like oh I was yeah very new at comedy so yep. visited chicago came home and i was like i told her i was like i think i want to move to chicago in a year gave her about a year's notice i said you're welcome to come i'd love that also no pressure i know you have a life you know you have a career whatever and then we sort of put a pin in it for a full year continued living together <laughs> yeah and then the day came i like you know, I yeah, I Skype interviewed for a job and found an apartment and found random roommates and I moved here and we're like, okay, we'll play it by ear. And then uh, a few months later, like, or like a month later, I flew her out to visit. Just utter contempt for me and the whole experience the whole time. But you guys were like fine when you lived together. Yeah, but I think for that last year, we That's... were both just pretending that it wasn't real. Uh... I think she was waiting for me to be like, ah, I'm not really going to do it. And, and then, then you I was did waiting it. for her to be like, all right, I'll come with you. Yeah, and, that, and neither of you wanted to do. Yeah. <laughs> It's like when people get married and one of them wants children. Yeah, it's like this weird dance macabre that you're both kind of like. You're just hoping it works yeah. out, even though it's for sure. Dude, why this would is it? so. One of my my uncle was in a relationship with a woman for a decade, where she was like waiting for him to have kids. Yeah, and he was like not. He's like, no, no, do no, it. I, I don't want to. Yeah, <laughs> but it's like, oh my god, dude, it's so sad. There's people can just waste all that time. At least it was only a year. So. It was a year of whatever weirdness that was. I move here. She comes to visit. Really doesn't have a good time. Like, has a panic attack when she sees my apartment for the first what time. What the fuck? Why? Just like, oh, this isn't where we should be. This doesn't feel right. I have sympathy for that. Like, that makes sense. I sure. get why she didn't like it, but she definitely should have broken up with me before I moved here. Yeah. And then, like, a couple months went by. Wait, so what What was so bad about I mean, like, it's she a... Was, she just, just didn't... She... No, just, like, deep down. Like, she knew she didn't want to live here. Got and it. I was here. Yep. So it's like, fuck. What now? Yeah. And, and since she had been so close with you, that mm -hmm. felt like it was a... Okay, got it. All right. I just thought it would work out because why wouldn't it? And... Apparently, I don't. I don't think I approached it the way you should. I should have said, "We uh, got to do this together. Yep. It's going to be awesome. I need you." And I didn't say any of that shit. I was D like, hey. "Did you? Did you need her though?" No. So why would you? It's probably good you didn't say that. Correct. <laughs> what I mean is, if I really wanted to get her to come, I you should have been said, like, "Listen, it's important for me yes. that you come with me." But it wasn't important. Sadly, I think it all worked out the way that it was supposed to. Sure. But. I didn't do a good job of making her feel wanted, maybe for a reason. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And then she visits, hates it. Well, probably because you're thinking about like what if she's going to, uh, it's a lot to tell somebody, I want you to upset your life mm -hmm. to come with me. For me. Because she then didn't like you, that idea either. Because then you have all the responsibility to, of like dealing with. Oh, her day-to-day -day happiness would have been my fault or whatever. Her, I mean like, I dude, this that's so real. For sure. So um, she doesn't well so she visits hates it and then like two months after that i get a text message at like noon 
I'm at my job. Like, you know, <laughs> I get like a long text message explaining that she's breaking up with me in a text message. And uh, I'm so like seven year relationship, I'm, five, five, five years. And I'm like, all right, well, that's that. And we had like a few more conversations ever again. And then uh, at one point, you know, it was sad. I was bummed, but also like it, I think it worked out the way that it was meant to. And at one point I realized, well, my shit's already in Chicago. So I'm done. Bye. I'm done. Yeah, and I'm uh, so if you're out there and you want to break up with someone, just move away and then do it. <laughs> get your stuff out of the apartment. You got to get up, remove yourself from the situation. Go across the country, send them a text message, and then uh, you are free to go. So, yeah, I mean, I have respect for this person. I don't mean to like it just didn't I mean, work she's trying, out. People are trying to do the best they can. For sure, dude. And she wants to live there. And I get it because I love Buffalo, New York. It's actually really fucking great. And I love when I go back. What's the best? What do you... I mean, one, you have a successful comedy show there. Mm. But... Yeah. Uh, which we can talk about in a second. But what's... Uh, what? I mean, why is... why? What's so great about Buffalo? Because um, I have some friends. I When I lived in Colorado, I did a lot of comedy with this group called Jump. And one of these guys... Uh, Tom Barr was from Buffalo and had not and just could not. I mean, he just was overflowing with love from for Buffalo. Well, okay, the the overcompensating pride around <clears throat> it me. is yeah. probably a little bit to do with that it's an underdog type of place. Yeah, and it's and, like Detroit. I mean, Detroit right. is very similar. I Most think. people don't know what it's like to live there, and yeah. the people that know what it's like really know. And yep. also, we have a really brutal winters, so there's like a camaraderie there. Yep. Also, the Buffalo Bills constantly lose, and people put their entire mm, yep. identity into that they'll win. Got it. So, like, everyone suffers that all the time. So there's like a lot of suffering and pain that goes on. <laughs> And it's also like a big food and drink city. And it's also just like not a popular place. Like most yeah. people have never been there. Yep. So I think all of that is why people are like, hell yeah, Buffalo. It's awesome. I, see, but I, also uh, it is yeah. awesome. Like they, there's a lot of cool shit to do like all the time in the I, summer. Like there's a lot of like concerts yep. and like free stuff. And like there's just like a lot of culture. It's honestly like a little tiny Chicago or like Milwaukee. Mm. Just like a lot of food and drink, a lot of like art. And like it's just, funny because I've I've never been to Buffalo, but. I always think about it in my mind in the same in the same kind of rust belty kind of like Buffalo, Pittsburgh, Detroit, Milwaukee, like whatever. Any of those cities feel yeah. very kind of similar. Yeah. The band we were just talking about, by the way, is rust called Belt. Rust Belt Lights. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think that it's funny because I think Detroit's like really similar. Like they're both really close to Canada. They're both on the Great Lakes. Mm -hmm. They're both like northern towns. They're Rust Belt cities. Yeah. They have like you like you said like nobody really goes to Buffalo. Nobody goes to Detroit. Nobody goes to Michigan. Right. Like right. and so consequently people who are from there fucking love it and like yeah. and even growing up in Michigan what's weird is like I remember after I left the state I remember meeting people from other states and and talking to them kind of about their childhoods and things like this like not not in a fucking weird like tell me about your childhood but just relating stories of growing up like they would go to different states for like oh yeah this weekend we're going over to montana or we're going up to wherever mm. that never happened in michigan you would ever n nobody ever went out of michigan right we went to canada right but that's it we would go we would stay in michigan we'd go to northern michigan the coolest thing in Buffalo to like leave and go do is Toronto. It's like two hours away. Yeah. Every time I would go to Toronto, I'm like, why am I not hanging out in Toronto all the time? It's like this huge ass city. Um, so that's what I mean when you ask why Buffalo is cool. It's because it's near Toronto. No, yeah. um, <laughs> there's just there's a lot of cool stuff about Buffalo and like there's a lot of like culture to it. And I think being from a place like that, you just build this sense of like, all right, 
we all know what each other are going through in this little place. Oh yeah, totally. And there's a there's a real camaraderie to that kind of yeah that, that kind of thing. And you grow to love it. And now when I go back, I'm like, God, I love this place. Like every time I go home for two days, I consider moving back there. Oh yeah. And then I think about what I would actually, you know, I got it like. I want to be in Chicago and like figure it out with comedy and stuff like that. So like, there's a reason that I have to be here, but when I go home, I like fucking love it. Oh yeah. I bet it's I, it very much. I, I, I'd super appreciate that. And for years I would go back to when I was living in Den and it's not the same thing, but I would go back from Boulder, Denver to Michigan and I would go to Detroit and it, and it was kind of like I was a celebrity when I came back home because like all the people who I knew who were there were still doing things and they were doing better different versions of the things that they were doing when i left but like i had left and then when i came back people were like oh shit like what's up dude it's got to be even another level for you because you go back you have that awesome show you drop in you crush it you go to helium you do the work with cam you know you feature for cameron esposito or whatever hosted, and like hosted, hosted yeah. whatever but yeah dude um it's fun to go back oh, and oh, did you only host get the fuck off this podcast <laughs> <laughs> i hosted yeah um but no, that's super like it's it's really cool that Helium lets me do stuff like that. And and the show at Babeville is like luckily very fun and good and successful. And it keeps kind of just going. And I'm not I don't really have anything to do with it anymore, but I'll go home and do it. But um, yeah, it yeah, I'm it's super fun to go home and like. And yeah, when you see people you haven't seen, I think part of it, dude, is a lot of people just like do what you're supposed to do, which is like get a degree, get a job, get married get a house and have kids like yep. I'm 30. So like a decent amount of my graduating class has done that. And I think when they meet someone who didn't do any of that shit yet, they're like, Oh, what's it like? Yeah. I, what? I, and I, I don't of, think it's, I don't think it's anything to do with being a comedian, dude. I think it's like, Oh, you're, you're just, just still partying. You're just like, off road, man. Yeah. Like what's up? Yeah. That, so you, I think um, that's what makes it interesting. Maybe. Did you go, um, did you head to your 10 year high school reunion? By oh, the yeah. way, yeah, two years ago I did yeah, that. Yeah, what was that? What was that like for you? I am weird in that I thought it was super fun. I had a blast. I had a blast of mine. I wanted to go. My friends were like, "Why would you I, go?" I had, a, like, I had a great know time. It's gonna be fun. Yeah, like, same here. I'm not like I had a great time, and people were gonna like you, dude. You're gonna run into your exes and their new boy. Good. I was like, "Yeah, that's great. It'll be weird I, too." Yeah, the way, it's not gonna be normal for anybody. Like this is going to be great. How many times do you have the opportunity to do That's this? That's what it really is. Is I was like, okay, I like when weird things happen. And this <laughs> is a very weird thing. And I'm not going to like get it again in a year. Yeah. It's such a like manufactured, crazy, weird situation that you're deciding to put yourself in and not going. I was like, why would I not go? I had a blast. I had uh, one of my best buddies went with me and uh, we just ran into people that we used to know. And it was weird. How it many was, people were in your graduating class? I don't know. I want to say like 400. That many, huh? I think it's like 400. Yeah. But I might be wrong. But um, That's about a third of what my mom was like 1,100 kids. Damn. It was nuts. Just in your class? Just in my class. That's wild. Yeah, it was a crazy. I went to a giant high school. We had like the second or third largest uh, high school yearbook ever in the country, wow. I think. That's crazy. It was, it was totally nuts. Nothing too crazy happened at the reunion. I just like... Bumped into people that have kids. They told me what that's like. I can't, <laughs> dude. I how the fuck? I can't. I can't imagine what. Like my I, having kids. Like everybody, all the <laughs> all of my cousins in my family, and including my sister, who's due like next month, all have kids. My sister's about to have a kid, and uh, I can't uh, imagine having one. Dude, I went. I graduated in two thousand six. 
I went to see Blink-182 in like 2009 and I ran into a dude that I graduated with and he's like, oh yeah, I got three kids now. I'm like, number one, what, what are you f- doing at Blink-182? <laughs> but like, yeah, there are people that just like pump them out right yeah. after high school. Yeah. And it's like, I can't even That's do that That's a total Rust once. Belt thing. I can't even do that once today. I, that's so scary. And like, maybe I just won't have kids. I really don't know. Mm. People go, ah, you're going to want to. It's like, hmm, I don't know. I'm pretty selfish. I definitely have. That's funny. <laughs> I don't I, know if I should. I absolutely am selfish and, and, and think about that. I definitely have had a switch flip in my brain recently, though, where I now am, for some reason, really attracted, like, like turned on at the idea of like, oh, I'm going to get this chick pregnant, and which is really disconcerting for me mm. to be totally honest i started i wrote a bit about it a couple of years ago where i was like i can tell i'm getting older because i find myself disturbingly attracted to pregnant women yeah I, that's fucking weird are you like starting to notice women with broad hips or something yeah you're like oh she could have a kid yeah dude it's weird she could carry it it's so her. fucking weird dude like <laughs> like it's so like that hourglass shape where you're like oh she's got birthing hips like there's some, yeah, it's disturbing. Yeah, I've never made that I'm, connection. I, by the way, everybody listening to this, it, I am fired. The, I'm the most definitely, well, definitely fired. I'm the most disturbed by this. I'm like, I'm absolutely disturbed. You did save this fucking so like just before. So after this battery dies, which it might do again because this thing is just eating batteries alive today. Uh, we go out and, and there's these dark chocolate covered peanut butter cups and I'm like, hey Zach, do you want one? He's like, yeah, I'll take one, but I'll save it for later when we're on the podcast. And he just ate it. Sorry. <laughs> That's, I thought you were joking, but you're serious. No, I wanted it for later. Um, but yeah, so you're a pervert. Yeah, Next I mean topic. clearly. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, I've never consciously been like, ooh, she looks like she could give birth. But uh, it is weird, like. I mean, I hear girls talk like this too. Like women my age or in their twenties or whatever will be like, "I don't want kids, but if I see a guy be a good dad, I get really turned on." And I'm yeah, like, what? right. I think that's what it is. It's got to be like a genetic. Like you get to a certain age thing because I'm like, I don't want a fucking kid at all. But like this woman looks like she she could. She's a great br- breeding mare. Yeah, it's weird. I, it's got to be yeah, like you said, genetic. It's got to be that like familial thing where you're like oh they would be a good family member like, yeah yeah right there's definitely i don't know man this is a I'm, I'm sure i'm so fired after saying any of this shit it's a, it's it's weird i acknowledge it's weird and like but yeah. i think that's where it comes from is i think it comes from the same thing where a woman's like oh that guy would be a good dad or i see him being a good dad like i know that for well, a the while same thing that like when you have like big strong arms women are like oh subconsciously they're like he no, he's could a defender yeah. yeah like yeah i just know that there was a period of time when like i would go out like with like my cousins would have kids and i'd like babysit their kids and then i'd go be like hey let's go get ice cream and i would like purposefully in my like mid-20s early 20s go to like the ice cream joint that like some chick i was had a crush on was working at and i would take my little cousins with me to be like look at aren't i like a great look how and then like and it's <laughs> it super worked yeah like it always like, oh, worked I'm good with kids yeah and they'd be like he's just you're just so and i would get like posts on facebook like like saw you with your little cousins that was the cutest and i'm like oh let's go out sometime like i'll introduce you to him. like it's just <laughs> it's just i mean i was such a sc- uh, scumbag diabolical yeah i mean i was a really i'm sure i'm not much better now <laughs> yeah i don't know 
Um, so here's what I want to talk about. We're, we're going to wrap up on time soon, probably, but like, uh, so, so you have, you're part of, you're a member of this, uh, crew, really good crew of dudes, I think, who it feels like you kind of have fallen in with, uh, Eric Scott's, Tim Smith's, Tyler Horvath's. Yeah. Uh, who else would you toss into that group? Uh, Tucker Brookshire. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Tucker. Uh, Sarah Volpio. Yep. Um, Lindsay Lucido who moved. Yep to new york sadly um but uh yeah those are those are my comedy peeps and uh i feel really lucky that i like met a cool friend group when i came here it took a long time for anyone to you know it takes six months for anyone to even like talk to you in a comedy scene oh dude yeah for real but well because there's so many it's it it feels like this is happening now like i went out and saw all these people who i haven't seen in like forever I, I, I haven't there's a lot of people I haven't seen in a long time but then there's like all these people who I have never I'm like I don't know who the fuck any of you are yeah like and it feels like a lot of them started in the last like three months or something oh yeah I've seen I've been to open mics recently like especially recently where people are like yeah I just moved to Chicago it's like it seems like a lot of people just moved here uh, yeah and I don't know if that's like constantly there's always a new group or what but uh, yeah, there's definitely a bunch of people that just moved here. But it, when I first moved here, it was yeah. super hard. It was like not hard. It was just like I didn't have a friend. And yeah. And uh, eventually, I like started hanging out with these dudes and uh, gals, and they're really cool. And I feel lucky to have like a cool click, I guess, of people in the scene. And like, <clears throat> it is super clicky and whatever. But I think that's because we're all just super insecure introverts. Yeah. Except for I'm not. I'm. I mean, I'm insecure. We all are. But I'm not an introvert. I'm like, hey, like every time I meet a new person, I'm like, let's be friends, I guess. Yeah. And uh, that's not how the comedy scene works at all. No. It took some time. But yeah, no. Um, yeah, for sure. It's, I mean, I think it's everybody's it's cool. just, you know, everybody's just so sensitive, like actually. For and sure. I think that they're they're afraid to, you know, break that seal or whatever. Yeah. And there's the whole thing of like, I'm not going to memorize your name and face if you're not going to be here all the time. Yes. Yeah. That's the big one is that it's like there's just a bunch of people who it's I think about it now is like, you know, when I was really grinding a lot and going out like every day, which I want to get back to, um, I was amazed at how many people I saw. But then I when I think about it in retrospect, I'm like, oh, but they were gone after like a couple of months. Even people who would be here for a few months would disappear again. I mean, this is true of me because I was of uh, I was doing a ton of shit and then I was just gone in the last year, basically. Yeah. Yep. It's just super strange. Now there's like all these people like, like who are not only showing up but like doing lots of stuff. Like we talked about like Maddie Weiner and like oh, yeah. Lucia Whalen and like a handful of other people who I'm like I've never I ne- I don't really know who they are. Haven't met them, but like they showed up and now are good or mm-hmm. like gotten good. Yeah, and uh, that I don't, that's a weird feeling. That makes me feel for sure like I'm an old person. Yeah, I guess. I mean. <laughs> If you're old, I'm almost old, so you can't be old. <laughs> so you're not old, dude. I mean, I don't feel old, but yeah. I definitely am like, what are you, 20? Jesus Christ. Oh, dude. Um, there are 20-year-olds in this scene who are just fucking awesome. Um, yeah, dude. It's like it's like Sam Prickett. Do you know who that is? Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I hung out with him last night. He just did his first like feature or co-feature or whatever week at Zany's. Yeah. And, like, he's super funny. And it's, it's a really like, good joke dude, writer. If I got up when I was 20, it would have been so bad. I don't know what I would have talked about. And he's like really good. And there's a bunch of those dudes like that age and gals. And like it's I don't understand how you like figure out. I don't know how you know your point of view on anything 
when you're 20. Like when I wrote songs in that band when I was 20, the songs were about how I didn't know anything about the world. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I fucking didn't. I don't I don't even know that I do now. <laughs> well, you know yourself. You know your like own opinions. I feel like I didn't know. I don't even know if I do now. Yeah. It's fu- I, I, I definitely just, didn't when I, I was 20. I, I totally, I'm in the, I just I understand what you're saying like a lot because I, I totally, I don't, I definitely didn't know when I was 20. Right. But I don't even know that I do now. Right. But it's cool to see these like super young people just be super funny and it's like i can't imagine how funny sam prickett's gonna be when he's like 25 yeah because i think he's like 21 or two yeah he's a a young guy this really sounds like i want to hook up with sam prickett i mean he's you know he's got that tall man thing going on right you let me uh (laughs) you know what if you give him enough drinks i don't think he'll care probably uh that's a terrible thing it's funny because he'll never hear this so <laughs> yeah, like that's probably, my yeah, favorite no part let's just make the listen. whole thing about sam about Prickett sam and how Prickett. fucking funny he is and hot <laughs> so hot Ooh boy do you see him in those he's got that oversized carhartt jacket and those tight little tiny skinny boy jeans on oh yeah getting me real revved up right now brendan <laughs> i can see it dude i can see it it's almost like those things are painted on oh i need a cigarette dude Oh, Jesus Sam, Christ. Sam, Sam, Sam. Sweet Sam Prickett. <laughs> With his blonde hair and his alabaster skin. Anyway, so he's funny. Um, <laughs> he's great. He's, Very yeah. funny. Huge funny. Yeah. Um, Big, thick funny. What were we talking about before I got a boner? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I think... Uh, you ever go to bed and imagine Sam Prickett's face before you fall asleep? Uh, do I ever not do that? No. <laughs> oh, God damn it. All right. Uh, we should probably wrap this up, man. All right. We should probably wrap it up just like I'd like to wrap Sam Prickett in my mm. big, strong arms. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Me too. Oh, man. Uh, this was fun, Zach. Where can people get at you? Uh, at... Zach Deach on Twitter. Uh, you'll figure out how to spell my name because I'm the only one in the world, and um, none of you made it this far in the podcast, so <laughs> none of you will follow me. But um, got a got a pretty got a pretty fun Twitter if you guys like that sort of thing. And um, you're big, you're like active on Twitter. Sure. Also, I'm doing a show tonight at JJ's Diner, and uh, you'll hear about that three days from now when this comes out. Actually, it'll probably be more like two weeks. Okay. Well, two <laughs> weeks ago. I went up at JJ's what is Diner. J- what is JJ's Diner? Fine. I've never even heard of this. I don't even know, dude. This guy Danny Kazi asked me to do it. I'm doing it with Sarah Volpio and uh, Justin Connor, and it's an apartment. I nice. guess it's. I, I don't think it's a diner in any way, but it's like a house show, and apparently uh, it gets pretty like packed and good. Nice, I've, I've only heard good things about it, but it's also like it's us and like musicians, I think too. Oh, that's fun. And sometimes uh, that goes well. Sometimes that goes not well. I think as long as a comedian is opening for a musician, it's fine. Yep. I don't want music to happen before me. I ever. did a show. <laughs> I did a show at a, uh, in, wait a minute. This is JJ's diner. This is a house party with musicians. Hold on a second. Where is it in town? Hmm. It's like way west of Versi or something. Oh, I don't have my phone on me. I can't think of where like it Bucktown-ish? is. Like Bucktown-ish? Maybe. I have no idea. Okay, got it. Because I did a show like this. It sounds very similar. Where it, And it was pretty cool, but it was a friend of mine's house show. 
that had comedy and music, but music went up before comedy, but it was yeah, like no. semi-acoustic. Yeah, still. Even then, it was like... Yeah, because music creates such a vibe. Yep. And then talking... Ruins it. Is like... Ruins opposite it. Opposite vibe. Just fucking ruins it. Yeah, no. I can't... You can't... Because you can hang out and like talk and like, oh, there's music. Oh, it's cool. Like, like, there's a show. Yeah. And then I'm like, hey, everybody, shut the fuck up. I'm trying to talk about airplane food. Right. Like, oh, hey, you know how you're dancing and like getting sexually aroused by yeah. the person? You know how you're, you're trying to with? make out with that chick right now? Yeah. Stop doing that and think about me doing the laundry or whatever I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. Um, John Mullaney said on Instagram <laughs> the other day, like, oh, I'm, I'm opening. I'm really excited to open for blah, blah, blah. Some band. And I'm like, that's weird. He's opening for someone. He's huge. And then I realized, oh, it's because music is just bigger than comedy. Oh, you yeah. A hundred times. Like, not even uh, more popular, just the vibe is bigger. Oh, it's bigger. way bigger. Like, yeah. I think, sometimes I think about it retrospectively, and I want to, I, sh- I kind of wanted to talk to you about this, actually. Like, I think about it retrospectively, and I'm like, oh, if I had, if my aim was to try to be popular and get laid, I just should have learned an instrument. Like, oh. I just think that's probably an easier path to go for both of those things. Perhaps, yeah. I mean, I don't think those were, my, I don't think that was my aim. Well, also, even like, even like not being good at guitar is not as much of a failure as like not being good at comedy. Oh, you're just imme- yeah. It's so if you're like, hey, I'm funny and that's my thing, and then you're not. Yeah, it's not, it's, it's way it's worse. So apparent than that being, you're not funny. Way yeah. worse than just being like an okay guitar player. Oh, boy. Yeah. I just remember, so like years ago, I did this show in Boulder, Colorado, and I had not done comedy for some time before I did it, and did stand up. I was doing improv, but I hadn't done stand up mm-hmm. in a long time. And I got up and did this show, and it went just horribly. And afterwards, like this guy who was like a, he was like a improv dude in the city of Boulder. He, uh, I was like on a trip with him to Denver, and I was, and he was like, "Hey, I wanted to talk to you about your comedy show." And I'm like, "Yeah." And he goes, "Um, you know, I wanted to give you some feedback on it." I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> and he goes, "Uh," and I expected him to say like some like pointed feedback about like, "Well, you went into this, you went into that. Here's where it went wrong." He just went, uh, "None of it was funny." Oh yeah, baby. <laughs> what would you suggest I do? And like, he just what did he? Su- nah, it just ended the conversation. <laughs> we had to like ride for forty more minutes in the car, oh. and he just started there. Okay, you know how you're supposed to be a comedian. You should be funny. <laughs> That's my advice. I would go funny rather than not. <laughs> That's just my little. I don't know how it works. Just my two bits. Uh, yeah, that's in there. insane. People are out of their minds with advice that they will give you. It's I just amazing. It's, I think it's especially with comedy though, because because every it's talking and they know how to talk. Yeah, so they're every, like, I can do. That. And they're the ultimate authority on what they find funny. They either laugh or they didn't. Of course. So like they can't. They're like, well, I didn't laugh at you. And you're like, yeah, well, you. That's one of the things that like I would be. Oh, this is, oh, this would so get on my nerves. I would, in college because I still did stand up when I was in college. And uh, I would go to parties, and I'd be like, yeah, I'm a comedian. And and women would be like, oh, say something funny. And then I would be like, uh, and then I would say some joke, and they'd be like, that's not that funny. And I'm like, will you, will you uh, what Dude. the fuck? Like, you were ready to hate me before I even opened my mouth. Dude, I was working an office job one time, and uh, my, like, boss's boss, like, this, like, department head dude came through, and he realized that me and another dude both did stand-up. And yeah. we had just started. And he comes up and he's like, oh, you're a comedian now? Like, tell me a joke. And luckily, I just had the wherewithal to be like, nah, I can't. (laughs) I can't do that. It'll embarrass us both. It's not how it works. It's just not going to happen. I'm sorry. Think you're great. Love you. Not going to tell you a joke. And then the other dude that started doing mics at the same time as me and worked there was like, all right. 
and like told him like started just doing stand up material and what? it was the most horrible thing and awkward I've ever seen oh, happen. Oh god. And I I was like, Yes, I made the right choice. I'm glad like I'm never yeah. when people hey, say tell me a that. joke, you just Yeah. I What's can't. your funniest thing? Uh yeah, I can't, I, mean, I can't do it. It's not how it it's works. It's not gonna work. Yeah. Imagine me saying something you fucking hate a lot. Yeah. That's what me telling you a joke would be right now. <laughs> it's just so weird because if you meet somebody in a band, like you were like, if you were like, yeah, I'm a singer in a band, somebody would be like, well, sing something. Sing right now. What's your favorite lyric right now? Yeah, no. That's a no. It really is. It gets treated differently than anything. And I think that's because it's just talking and people know how to do that themselves. And they're yeah. like, yeah. I can do that. Yeah, that's insane. The other thing that it kind of gets on my nerves is that people will do that at the same time as they also go, oh, I could never do that. And I'm like, yeah, you could. I hate when people say that because it's almost like they're saying, hey, what you just did on stage was so fucking embarrassing and mortifying. I can't imagine myself I can't myself even imagine doing myself it. doing it. It's like, really? Because I, I had fun. I'm yeah, doing this on purpose. I had purpose. a good time. Even when it punishing went, myself. Even when it went bad, I kind of enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, that's, so, that's such a weird thing to say. Yep. Like, oh, you wore that shirt today? I could never wear that shirt. But good job. <laughs> you're so brave. Yeah, you're very brave. You're brave. What a brave thing. Yeah, that's insane. Uh, well, um, that's cool, man. Uh, what's uh, wh- how how often are you opening for um, uh, you know, the woman who did Nanette? God damn it, Hannah Gatsby. How often am I? Uh, they won't put me and Hannah Gadsby on the same show because uh, you're the same person. We look too much alike, and our comedy is too similar. <laughs> Judd Apatow told me that. They're they're never gonna book you and Hannah Gadsby together. It's you too, guys are too similar. Too lesbian heavy of a lineup. <laughs> oh man. Well, I mean, you guys are both from Buffalo. I get it. I don't think she's from Buffalo. She's from Tasmania. She's not from Buffalo at all. Hmm. All right. <laughs> all right, man. It's been wonderful to have you. <laughs> all right, man. See you later. Bye. <laughs>